0: Tuesday, August 8th, 2017. Time for episode 18 of the Barnhart Podcast. Today we are moving on from the topic of shame, but before we do that, it's Tuesday. For some people, that means tacos, but if you're participating in the Matthew 1720 initiative, no tacos today. Anne, do you want to reiterate what the Matthew 1720 initiative is?
1: Sure thing. It's a idea that I had and started, I think just last week is is when I posted it, and what what we're doing is full fasting as in no solid food um Tuesdays and Fridays because Tuesdays and Fridays are the days in which the church prays the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary and the intention for this fasting is for I phrased it very diplomatically a complete and total resolution to the Bergoglio situation. So, um whether or not you are with me and and have come to the moral certainty that Bergoglio is is in fact an anti-pope, uh, you're, we're you're, we're kind of we're all in the same boat for the time being. If you just want to see a complete and total resolution to the Bergoglio situation, then um, join us full fasting Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, you can have zero calorie drinks, so that means. Coffee is yes, um, as long as there's no um, caloric sweeteners in it. Same with tea. Uh, I suppose you could even do some zero-calorie uh, soda pop if you wanted to. But zero zero calorie intake, full fast on Tuesdays and Fridays um, for this extraordinarily, extraordinarily important intention.
0: And, of course, the, the reading, Matthew 17:20 20, is a reference to some things can only be driven out with prayer and fasting. And, or resolved, in this case, uh, through prayer and fasting. And certainly this is a a problem of unprecedented proportions. I mean, the, the Church has had, in, in the Great Western Schism, there were three anti-popes. Uh, well, there were three people, or two people claiming to be pope, and uh, to try and solve the situation, they called a council and elected a third pope. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, there, there have been situations where there have been more than one claimant to the— well, actually, we only have one claimant to the papacy right now— but at least during the Great Western Schism, they weren't being outright heretics at the top. So that, well, exactly. that's the larger problem.
1: I mean all of these this to use the word unprecedented I, it's really getting tiresome seeing seeing people trying to go back and say well you know this is like this and this is like that no this is not like any of those things because those things were political um, that that is not what this is no, none of the men who were who were claimants to the papacy in the great western schism hated god um were in bed whether literally or not with sodomites and were actively trying to destroy the Holy Church. Um, that That is not what was going on. In fact, um, I, I remind everybody, and, and it's a good person to enjoin in prayer, a, a, a tremendous saint, St. Vincent Ferrer, was on the wrong side, and and for a time was backing the wrong man. Was backing an anti-pope. Um, Saint Vincent Ferrer was backing one guy. Saint Catherine of Siena was, in fact, the person who was backing the true pope. And uh, so, you know, there were there were people of 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 incredibly goodwill. In fact, there were saints who were the you know on the wrong side, and misled by these purely political questions. That's not what this is. And this business of having to have a direct analog or a direct historical precedent and somebody laying out a schema telling you exactly what to do, exactly what um what the course of action here forward is, constantly having to look to to someone else and in this case look back to history to get an explanation, answers, and and what one should do in a situation like this is actually and I'm I'm beating this drum again, it's a subset of effeminacy. It is the it, it's this vice of softness that makes one Unable to think on their feet um, to, to react to things And and to be responsible in real time For reality that is right in front of you And constantly having to look to someone else um, God help us if there was ever an actual military incursion in In North America, in the former United States In Europe, same thing There is so much effeminacy, and people are so unable to think on their feet, stand tall, take responsibility, take command, and formulate responses to things given the data set that's right in front of them they're constantly having to look to someone else to tell them what to do or looking to someone else to say what is the direct direct analog to this in history and then I have to do that you're not going to find a direct analog to any of this and if you ask anyone who's ever actually been in combat been in in a theater of, of war the first thing that they'll tell you is you know you make a plan and then within the first 45 seconds of shots being fired, your plan is out the window and you have to improvise everything in real time from there forward. And that is how that is how wars have been won and lost. Who was the man who was the commander who had who had the greatest ability to improvise, to react, to formulate solutions, to formulate strategies on the fly Take in the data set, formulate the response, execute the response. That is virility. That is potency. That is it's a very masculine trait, but it's it's a virile trait, meaning men and women should be able to uh, should be able to do this. This is why, for example, when when there's an emergency situation and and women start screaming, okay. This is this is not this is this is a bad thing, even when women do it, because even women, when there's an emergency situation, should have the virtue of virility and should be able to react in real time to an emergency situation and not just stand there and scream and not just stand there and wait for somebody to tell them where to go, what to do. If if some. Catastrophe or emergency happens. Women should be able to react and respond under pressure in largely the same way that men do. Because the the virtue of of virility has nothing to do with males or females. A virtue is a virtue. Everyone should have virility. Um, and conversely, effeminacy transcends. The sexes as well. Men are effeminate, but women can also have the vice of effeminacy, and it's just as bad—the inability to react to things, to think on your feet, to get things done—a softness. And so, you know, that's that's kind of where we are. And I hope everybody will will think about that and take it to heart.
0: So, a, a serious fast is definitely one way to counter softness. In, in looking at lent this used to be the one the one thing that that the catholic church could prove we are tougher than everybody else uh back in the earlier days when when the fast was stricter they used to make fun of the islamic fast for ramadan because they would actually eat as much as they want but they just had to wait till uh sunset to do it i don't think anybody following the current rules for fasting could make even the remote claim for that even even the traditionalists i don't think we we fast like like we used to Uh, look up, look up the, look up the idea of the Eastern black fast. That was uh, not, not just very little food, but very few items of food. Uh, for example, no eggs or no no meat. It was almost a vegan fast for 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 Lent. It was it was pretty rigorous.
1: Well, and it it, fa- it phases in and it gets to the point where you pretty much are vegan and and absolutely the the contemporary the contemporary um, fasting prohibitions. I think I mentioned this last week. If I ate as much food as what the what the parameters for a novus ordo fast are, I would that would be like. A double or triple caloric intake for me for the day. I would feel bloated, miserable, da 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 da. The other thing is that there used to be a rule that you had to fast from midnight until you receive the Eucharist. So, for example, for a person who goes to Mass in the evening, you would have fasted all the way from midnight and i've i've kind of started doing that generally what i do is i eat dinner and so that way i i have observed the fast the eucharistic fast the old school eucharistic fast from from midnight you know it's basically for me it's a logistical thing um in my mind for me my my line in the sand is three hours um if i have eaten if i have eaten solid food inside of three hours before Mass and when I would receive the Eucharist then I don't receive. That's th- so three hours is my line in the sand, but it used to be midnight. It used to be midnight. so I mean we, we are, we are so soft and fasting is something that you can do to kind of to combat that softness and that effeminacy that to, to one extent or another, all of us in the post-Christian West are, are now guilty of.
0: Certainly a lot of room for improvement, to say the least. Okay, so you've been getting some feedback, wondering about why you don't talk about Islam anymore. So let's talk about Islam. Recently, oh, wait, what?
1: Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Uh, conflicting scripts and notes here uh <laughs> re- recently george weigel weigel uh wrote a piece entitled are jihadis losers in which he asserted that islam must undertake a far-reaching internal reform which purifies the faith and leads islam to develop from within its own re- resources a case for religious tolerance and political pluralism quote the only long-term answer to the islam versus the west is a Muslim aggiornamento along the lines of the reforms introduced by Pope John the 23rd and Vatican two and quote, and would the world be a better place if a Novus Ordo Islam were to rise?
1: <laughs> you can see why, why, when I saw this, uh, when I saw this article, I just about went through the roof. Um, I I guess the first thing to start with is the question, you know, why and Barnhart you you became famous on the internet for doing the Quran burning and and so on and so forth and why why isn't there hardly ever any anything on your blog anymore about Islam? And the, the answer is because, you know, pretty much everybody by now, especially anyone who's in my audience, is pretty much is pretty much uh, hip to what the the whole Islamic political system con is, and so I, I don't need to keep beating this drum because I think pretty much everybody that's morally sane now understands that Islam isn't a religion; that Islam is in fact a hyper aggressive, militaristic, expansionist totalitarian political system. Full stop. I think everybody now now is on to this. I see this people Saying this in comment threads all the time, I see people citing the fact that you know, trying to use the First Amendment of the American Constitution to defend Islam. That that's that's all a con because it isn't really a a religion. I see people saying things like that all the time. so people are hip to the fact that it's a political system, they're hip to the fact that it's completely irrational. Um, they're hip to the fact that it is it is satanic. And yes, I can say that it's not a religion, but then also describe it as satanic at the same time, because you know, anything in this in this world that is that is evil has ultimately behind it Satan, demons, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not it's not incongruent to say that something is not a religion, is in fact a political system, and then you say, yes, also, by the way, it's completely satanic. Marxism is satanic, and Marxism is atheistic by definition. So you you see the overarching point. Um, Everybody is now pretty much hip to the fact that sexual perversion is endemic to Islam um, people are now hip to the fact that there is a massive amount of inbreeding in all of these Islamic cultures to the point that the IQ bell curve in in Muslim-oid populations is shifted considerably to the left people now pretty much openly discuss this um, and thanks be to God you know so I had my Quran burning that was the first thing I did against Islam and then I I did the islamic sexuality a survey of evil video set um that and that is still on the internet it was scrubbed from my youtube channel but so many people had made mirrors of it and it had been translated into into many languages that it's still out there and you can easily pull that up and in fact um i would say still to this day the the largest amount the largest volume of, I hesitate to call it fan mail, but email correspondence I get from people who are saying, I just discovered you. The way that they have, quote unquote, just discovered me is is still to this day through the Islamic sexuality, a survey of evil video. That is still going, it's still rampant going wild all over the world. Um, And that's, boy, it's it's humbling and gratifying to know that that's happening, that people all over the planet are seeing that and and having their eyes opened and realizing what a truly evil, evil system this is. Um, it's the same thing with the inbreeding. That is still, what. Uh, as I, sometimes I will open up the the statistics page for barnhart.biz and not infrequently will I look down and see that an Incoming keyword or search term that that linked into someone coming to the website is um, Muslim inbreeding or Islamic inbreeding. So that's that's really good to see that the truth is is very much getting out there The other thing is the the diabolical narcissism work and that and that video Um, people through that have realized my goodness Look at this Islamic political system, what the whole thing is basically set up to do is to just create entire massive cultures and populations of diabolical narcissists. What does, um, and there's several manifestations of this. First, uh, on a baseline level, the Islamic culture is built on a foundation of people lying to each other. We, in in, even in the post-Christian West, even in the neo-pagan West as we are, there is still enough of a vestige of Christianity and Christian culture in our culture today that people operate on the presumption that when you speak to someone else, whether it's someone you know or a stranger, when you have any sort of interaction with somebody the presumption is is that the person is telling you the truth when you go into a store when you go to a restaurant or bar just anything when you meet anybody in a social environment, anything, there's always the presumption that the person you're talking to is telling you the truth. And I keep trying to explain to people that in Islamic culture, that is not the case. The presumption is in fact, in Islamic culture, because lying is specifically ratified and encouraged in the political manifesto of, of Islam, the Quran, because lying is specifically ratified approved and encouraged and in fact it is given as an attribute of Allah that Allah is the greatest deceiver which I mean if there are any any more clear signal that quote-unquote Allah is is actually Satan and Satan is behind all this that's it right there um, so because lying is is just foundational to the whole political system over 1400 years and and it happens very quickly, this culture has sprung up and emerged in which the presumption is when you are dealing with any other human being that they're lying to you.
0: A a very small microcosm of that is if, and this is... Very lightweight example. If you watch the movie Casablanca, when, when um, the female character, I forget her name now, is not even shopping. She's just strolling through the street. The vendor quotes a price and, yes. and then continually keeps coming down. Oh, the whole point is of haggling is we're lying to each other. We're going to try exactly. to get to the point of, of whose lie is more convincing. We'll finally lie our way down to a mutually agreed price. But that, that just strikes me as something that it, when, when the culture is built on mendacity, that's going to be something where even the quoted price is not real. You have to argue and, right. and haggle about it.
1: It's Ilson. She's she's walking through the market and she's looking at scarves. And he starts at seven hundred, and then I think Rick walks up and he says, "Oh, if you're a friend of Rick," and he he reaches back and he has the five hundred ready to go. Oh, if you're a really good friend of Rick, and he he goes to three hundred and he eventually drops it down to one hundred. So he goes from seven hundred to one hundred. Now think about that. You have a you have a seven times markup. Well, let's assume that a hundred is the real price. You have a seven times markup that you're trying to, to, to trick somebody into paying you. And they don't even realize they're showing that they're lying they're showing that they're being dishonest they're showing that just a few short short seconds ago they were lying to your face and they were ready to screw you out of an enormous amount of money relative to the markup on this
0: and, and if and they're if you completely make the argument about this. if you make the argument yeah that's just a movie yeah but that that scene is based on real life
1: of course it is. Of course it is. That is the mendacious, the mendacity of, of the Islamic political system and the culture itself. And so, you know, you can't, you can't enter into any good faith negotiations with any of these people. They will lie to your face with, with the utmost facility. And this is a, this is a quality of diabolical narcissists. They are, they are Just liars. They'll look you right in the eye and lie to your face without any shame whatsoever. And what this does, and this is a point that I heard or read made by the excellent Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, who's one of the best, who's one of the best theologians and liturgists out there today. Um, And he made the point that when you lie to somebody, what you are doing is you are attacking their faith. And especially when you lie to children, Um, when you lie to children, you're teaching them to not have faith. Every time you're lied to, every time you're deceived, it, it just chisels away a little bit, a little bit, a little bit at your capacity to have faith and to believe. And so that's what we see going on in our culture and as people descend into diabolical narcissism, they're just constantly lied to. Everything is a lie. That's that's why, you know, this problem with what's going on and it's been going on for a very long time. This is nothing new. But this business about the, the news media just descending into lie after lie after lie to where now everyone knows it. And you say, well, if everyone knows they're lying, then it's okay. No, it it isn't. Even if everybody knows that they're lying, just being soaked and imbued in this culture of lies is just driving people further and further and further into, into a faithlessness into a diabolical narcissism I can't trust anybody I can't believe anything anybody says and eventually it gets down to the point where you know people just become misanthropic and I hate other human beings I and I will never love another human being because all other human beings are liars all other human beings are deceivers and now circling back to Islam what did I just say was how is Allah himself characterized in the Quran as the greatest deceiver. Okay, how how can you have a loving relationship with something that that is is a massive deceiver and admits to being a massive deceiver. You you can't. I mean, these two things are completely incongruent. So, like I said, it's completely irrational, and it just it just feeds into this cycle of diabolical narcissism. Now, that's the most minor manifestation of this of just just simply lying and have a having a culture of lying, the sexual abuse of children, the sexual abuse of anybody, people as a defense mechanism. And especially children, as a defense mechanism, they'll just shut down, and they will become diabolical narcissists. They will they will make the free conscious decision to not love because they they've been so so incredibly spectacularly hurt by this sexual abuse. Um, now, what we're seeing, which is just horrifying. And again, the Chinese have done this. This is this is nothing new. But we're now seeing it reemerge is that ISIS and and other musloids are taking children and having them do things like uh, torture and execute prisoners. They're having children do beheadings. And there are videos of this being released. Okay, you do something like that to a child the the psychological the psycho spiritual response of the child they are scandalized so hard by that is that they just shut down you can turn a child into a psychopath in in a in in, in just in a matter of days i mean you take a, a 7 8 year old child who's sentient who has the age of reason who is a is capable of of normal human affectation, and you force them to, to saw a man's head off alive, um, you, you've got a psychopath on your hands. That child, it must be assumed after they've had something like that done to them, is now a psychopath. Everything about Islam is pushing people into becoming diabolical narcissists, incapable of love, and ultimately psychopaths who will do things like then kill their own family members in these so called honor killings. You, I mean, we, even like I said, even in the post Christian West, there's still enough of a vestige of, of Christianity in our culture that we look at this business. Of, of parents, including the mothers, usually the mothers are the ones who goad on these honor killings, murdering with their own hands, oftentimes it involves strangulation, I mean just incredibly intimate uh, forms of, of murder, fathers, brothers, cousins, murdering their sisters, murdering their brothers with and like i said oftentimes with the father participating and the mother goading it all on and it's just incomprehensible how how could you do that how could you kill your own your own first degree family member over, over nothing, over, over nothing. The fact that the the woman, you know, went outside and walked down the street chatting with another man. Well, now we have to kill her with our bare hands because she has brought dishonor upon the family. This is, this is so spectacularly insane that, again, the only way you can describe it is being satanic. It's demonic. Um, and, and it all feeds into that. You have to be a diabolical narcissist psychopath in order to do something like that. And Islam, as a political system, is specifically engineered to create an entire populace of, the, of this and so you know the notion that you can that you can ever integrate into a society this this insanity of an entire populace of basically psychopaths you, you're out of your mind you're absolutely out of your mind you know i i titled the diabolical narcissism video remember lots wife and what what that is a reference to is this business of wistfully looking back at something you know, try, trying to convince yourself that there that there's something there. There's something there to go back to. There's something there to to look back upon with fun. And there isn't. There absolutely isn't. Lot's wife, when she turned around and looked at the burning ruins of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, in which she thought she had had a happy life, um... You know, she had, she had wealth, she had liturgy. Um, she looked and then, and then it, it was all destroyed because of sodomites, obviously, because of this this grave, grave sin of sexual perversion that was endemic to the population. But she still wanted to look back wistfully towards this. And the, the lesson is, no, don't look back. There's nothing there. There's nothing there to look back to. It's the same with Islam. Don't you can't look back at Islam as if there's anything there to be salvaged and this is going to segue now into into um, into Weigel's piece that apparently apparently Weigel doesn't get this at all and and sadly I think this is very common that they're all trying to look at Islam and say there's something to salvage there not only is this completely non-Catholic utterly completely totally non-Catholic. It is also, on a practical level, just the epitome of delusion. There's nothing there. You're you're trying to talk about salvaging and updating a a culture of psychopathy. It's it's insane. It's insane. But it looks like on our notes, super nerd, that I have one topic in there in between that we should probably cover. Um, yeah, it, apparently you, there was a,
0: there was a couple who publicly left Islam on Twitter. I've been quietly trying to google so my keystrokes don't show up in the recording and I cannot find this. So I don't I don't I, I don't remember what the exact wording is.
1: I I can't either. Um where I saw it, I saw it on the sidebar of Ace of Spades and I think it was earlier this year. If anybody out there listening if you saw this, if you can find this. It might have been scrubbed. It might have been deleted from um, deleted from Twitter because this couple—they were clearly Arabs. Um, they're speaking in English, and they post this these two very short videos on Twitter in which they read out a short prepared statement in which they formally apostatized from the Islamic political system. And um, I saw this, and um, the the thing that struck me, and and you know, I just immediately—I've been praying for these people ever since. And um, it, it was really, it was really amazing to watch. It is that as they were reading these statements, they used exactly word for word the formulation that I have used in so many of my videos, including the um, the Quran burning and the Islamic sexuality—a survey of evil videos, which have gone all over the world and the highest viewership actually of those are the versions that were mirrored and um, subtitled in Arabic Um, and so that these are widely watched all over the Muslim world and these but they both read their statements and both of them said we are. A, I'm paraphrasing now, but they said we are. We are leaving Islam. We we reject it totally and completely, and we are no longer members of the Islamic political system. Because And they used this exact construction because Islam is a hyper-aggressive, militaristic, expansionist, totalitarian political system, which is exactly the construct that I have used and other people have used too. And so when I saw that, I, I was immediately struck that it was possible it was possible that those people had seen maybe one of my videos, maybe not, maybe they, they got that construct from somebody else, but they, they had clearly sat down and because their English wasn't terribly strong, they had sat down and written this out very conscientiously. Um, and it, it was just, it was really amazing to think that th- this is now exactly what we should all be hoping and praying are are the fruits of these things, the fruits of getting the truth out and getting this information out. It isn't just in the interest of educating, you know, the post-Christian West. I mean, that that's incredibly, incredibly important. Also, every bit as important is that you need to get this information the truth about the islamic political system out in front of people who are themselves inside of the islamic political system and inside of Islamic cultures, because there still are some of them that are not so far gone, that they can't think, that they can't reason. There are still some of them who are not completely, totally descended into diabolical narcissism, into psychopathy. And they can be, They obviously they can be converted and they can be brought out of this. And so it isn't just the priority of educating us in the post-Christian West; it's educating them too. And in a sense, this is a, this is a this is a kind of evangelization. It almost seems to me that this is where evangelizing these people needs to needs to almost start. Um, don't start with telling them about Christ. Start first with with just tearing apart and showing them how evil Islam itself is, then, okay, what happened, and I suspect what what a lot of these people in the Islamic culture who do apostatize from it, um, what happens is that they've been so scandalized, they've been so scandalized, remember, lied to, et cetera, et cetera, that they, they then turn into atheists, they say, okay, I've come out of the Islamic political system, I'm rejecting that, I know that that's all complete bullshit. But then they make the mistake of thinking that there is no God, I'm going to completely reject the entire the entire religious paradigm in total. And so now, you know, it's out of the frying pan into the fire. Either way, these, these people are not, they're not going to be saved. They're not going to be saved. What we have to do is to evangelize these people is first of all, show them how evil Islam is and just deconstruct it. And it's not hard to do, but then we have to be there so that when, when they're saying, okay, this is, I have to get out of this. This is evil. They say, okay, now let me show you, let me show you Christ. Let me show you the truth of Christianity. You you don't need to become an atheist. That's throwing the baby out with the bathwater that is letting the pendulum swing too far the other direction. Satan is fine for you to apostatize into atheism, apostatize from Islam into atheism, because either way you're lost. What you have to do is you have to see the truth of Christ and now let me start explaining all of this to you and be ready to go with intelligent, true explanation and catechesis of the true Catholic faith. Not the, not the Novus Ordoist, Bergolian, and, and now even this neo-Catholic Weigel bullshit. No, you have to be there ready to go to catechize these people in the in the true faith. And that is that is the perfection of it. That is what the saints were looking to do. That's what Saint Francis was going and looking to do. All of these great saints who took on as as their mission or a part of their mission, going and evangelizing the Musloids. The, the objective wasn't simply to get them to apostatize from Islam. That—that is—that is no victory at all. The objective is you get them out of Islam, and then—and then you get them into Christianity. You have to accomplish both. You have to accomplish both, or you've accomplished nothing. So. Um, so when we so when I saw those people um, on that on that video on that little Twitter video that they released, it was very sad to me in a certain sense because it's wonderful that they had seen the truth and this is where this is what needs to be happening amongst musloids and this is this is wonderful. But at the same time, there was I believe there was something that they said that very strongly implied that they were now going to be atheists and they were going to subscribe to no religion, including uh, obviously the one true religion. Um, and so where are these people? We need to reach out to them. We need to be ready to go to help these people as we educate them and show them about the evils of this this culture that they've been locked in. Um, if, if we drop the ball and if we do what, say, for example, Weigel and these other people are saying, oh, my gosh, it, it's, it's just catastrophic because it ends in the same place. And that is with these people being lost to hell for all eternity.
0: Well, that gets back to the piece by George Weigel, uh, our jihadis losers. And there's a little blurb at the top of the article. Islam must undertake a far-reaching internal reform which purifies the faith and leads Islam to develop from within its own resources a case for religious tolerance and political pluralism. Is that even possible?
1: Uh, no, no, it sure isn't. and this this right here, this right here is just the proof set of how completely, Totally disordered, and if I may again go back to one of my one of my most effective words, what complete and abject bullshit! The Novus Ordo was Vatican II, neo Catholic, what 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 a lot of people term conservative wing of of the post conciliar churches. This this is just laying it all out. He, Weigel is doing absolutely everything except tattooing across his forehead. I don't actually believe any of this Catholic bullshit. He's giving he's giving the store away right here and the entire thesis of his article is get this that what what the Islamic political system needs to do and of course he he never refers to it as a political system because oh it's a it's a, one of the world's great religions in fact these are even the sorts of people and um, a great example of this is uh, Charles Chaput Archbishop Charles Chaput. When I first came into the church, the first year that I was in the church, I would travel a lot on weekends. I was teaching my cattle marketing schools, and the way it would work is a lot of times I would have to fly home on Sunday morning. And so I would get back in, I would fly into Denver, and then I would go to the Archbishop's Sunday night mass, which was downtown in the cathedral of Denver at 6:30 PM on Sunday nights. I had to stop going. And this is before I discovered the trad mass. Like I said, this is the, my first year in the church. I had to stop going to Chapu's mass after the sixth time, the sixth time during his homily. Where he would go out of his way, sometimes just on a tangent that had nothing to do with what he was talking about, he would go out of his way to say that Musloids and Catholics worship the same God. I had to stop going to his mass because I mean this this was just it was incomprehensible to me that that those words could even come out of his mouth and this is supposed to be Shpiu is supposed to be the great white hope he's supposed to be one of the great conservative heroes in the church today don't make me laugh I think we're we're probably going to circle back around to this later but th- this notion that these people have that um, and what Weigel is saying in his piece is that the Islamic political system, this this great religion, needs to do exactly what the Catholic Church has done: have a "quote unquote" Vatican II event of its own, in which it um, updates. That's what aggiornamento means. It means update, in which it updates itself and allows for how, what what is the phrase that he uses? Um, religious tolerance and political pluralism. Okay, this is just, what Weigel is saying is that, look, we are, those of us in the uh, Novus Ordo church today, we are evolved, we are sophisticated, we're we're modern, we're modern men, right? And that's, that's what the council was all about, you know, updating the church for the new, modern, everlasting man. Um, and we are so sophisticated and we are so intelligent that, you know, let's be honest, we don't actually believe any of this bullshit. We don't actually believe any of this. You know, we're, 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 we're modern men. You know, we have, we have this, we have the church, fine, whatever. But, I mean, come on, come on. We we don't actually believe that Catholicism is, is the one and only truth. We don't actually believe that this is the one true church. We, we certainly don't believe that outside of the church there is no salvation. Come on. Come on, we're we're sophisticated intelligent people. We don't actually believe any of this bullshit. This isn't a, a, a liberal on the left saying this, ladies and gentlemen. Weigel would be characterized by by the mainstream media, by the by the mainstream of culture. Weigel would be considered to be on the far right of the church. And he's sitting here confessing openly that. He doesn't actually believe any of it. And and Islam needs to do exactly the same thing. They need to have their aggiornamento. They need to have their Vatican II. They need to have their update where people who actually believe any of this bullshit, they get driven out, they get marginalized. And we just turn this into a big social club NGO etcetera et cetera, Well, but, it also and, and shows
0: yeah. that Weigel doesn't believe in history because uh, Islam, to the extent that there has been a, a uh, renewal of any sort or any kind of reform of their reforms, that happened after World War I with the rise of, of the House of Saud in Israel and the rise of Wahhabism. And the, the, <laughs> yeah. the Wahhabi reform is we kill everyone who doesn't agree with us because you are bad Muslims.
1: Yes. So that's why. And and the the Shia Sunni thing, that goes back to time. Well, of course it does, because it's a psychopathic political system. And so there always has to be, I mean, anger, hatred, jealousy, fear. That's all these people have. It's a a hyper-aggressive, militaristic, expansionist, totalitarian political system. And that means that if there's no one who is outside of the islamic political system nearby for you to wage war on uh loot pillage rape murder then well if there's no one else or it if you know you're going to get your ass kicked by the christians then what you do is you just start fighting with each other and i mean that's that's exactly what we see in in terms of protestantism it's this it's the same thing um you know, schism after schism after schism after schism, no central leadership, et cetera, et cetera and what you get, what you end up with is eventually just everybody constantly at war with everybody else just looking for looking for a reason to to, to murder, rape, and pillage. You look at the reportage on um, violence within the Islamic political system, the vast majority of it, I don't know if anybody has noticed this, but it, it's pretty obvious. The vast, vast majority of this violence bombings, mass murder, it's Muslims against Muslims. It's Muslims going, blowing up other mosques. And you're saying, well, what what the hell are they doing? What are they doing that for? Because it's it's just endemic to the system. They have to fight with each other. So yeah, like Super Nerd just said, if, if these people do do any sort of an update. It it only it's only going to result in even even more violence and even more of this factionalism and so forth. So, yeah, Weigel, he's he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But back to the back to the point, the big, big point is, you know, what Weigel and, and Bergoglio has said this too. Bergoglio gave some address or some speech in which he was basically was it Egypt? I think he went to Egypt he's basically scolding um, these Islamic leaders saying, you need to purge the fundamentalists. We've done this in the Catholic Church. We're we're purging our fundamentalists. You need to purge your fundamentalists, and you need to be like us, which is to say, we don't actually believe what we believe. And that is the credo of modernism. We don't actually believe what we believe. And that is what all of this raging and railing against Catholic fundamentalists and, you know, in terms of Islam, Islamic fundamentalists, well, th- they're just people who, who actually believe in this totalitarian political system. They're just, they're not fundamentalist Muslims, they're just Muslims. They're people who actually believe it and take it seriously. Um, in, ter- in terms of fundamentalist Catholics, fundamentalist Catholics, are, are Catholics. They're, they're people who hold the one true faith whole and entire. They're, they're just Catholics. Using this pejorative of fundamentalist, what this is saying is that we are going to attack and drive out anyone in the Catholic Church who actually believes in Catholicism. That is what our agenda is. That is what we're going to do. And that is exactly what they've done. That's exactly what Vatican II has been about. If, if you believe in any of this, well, you can just leave because none of us believe in any of this. Um, we want to maintain the structure. They want to maintain the structure because of the money. It's a this massive, massive structure, as we talked about in the last podcast, about Money laundering and putting putting the institutional church in the middle as a middleman, a for-profit middleman um, between people and government using the government as a coercive, uh, a coerced tithe. The Internal Revenue Service is basically a coerced tithe. The church stands in the middle. It bills the government at a huge markup for health care, um, education, all of these student loans, which get which are given by the government, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all this about this flow of Millions and millions, billions and billions and billions of dollars flowing, not just from the the central bank in the United States, but the central bank in Europe, all over the world. And now they have their eyes on establishing a one world government. So that they can literally be standing as the middleman, a one world religion, standing as the middleman between human beings and this one world government and just the the flow of money into this thing. That's what they're about. And so but, but they don't actually believe anything about Catholicism and they want to purge out of of the institutional church. Absolutely everyone who does actually believe in Catholicism. Hence, you know, the free the Freemasonic infiltration recruiting communists who obviously don't believe in any of it and want to destroy it. And then communist recruiting in sodomites who obviously don't believe any of it and just want to just want to maintain the structure in order to get them sex, money, power in whatever order their priorities are. But the the point is we don't actually believe what we believe and this is Weigel and the rest of this um neoconservative wing of the church now pointing at Islam and saying, you need to be like us too and you need to not believe anything that you believe. Oh yeah, that's fine. You've got your Quran, you've got your texts, you've got this, that, and the other. Oh, oh come on, that's all bullshit. that's all bullshit the way we know that the Bible's all bullshit and the way we all know that the writings of the church fathers are all bullshit We, we know all of that's bullshit we don't we don't actually believe in any of our bullshit so we would expect that you all would do the same thing that you would update that you would become modern men and not actually believe any of your bullshit either and that is exactly what Weigel is saying in this piece and it is despicable and the fact that no one calls him out on this is just is just sick and incomprehensible to me i am sick of these people i am sick of these elites and i i could name names i could tell you who weigel socializes with in rome and they are despicable despicable people they are narcissists who are obsessed with being elites having elite status um they are embarrassed by truth, and th- all they are doing is they are using the church and using the, the, the right, using the, the quote-unquote, you know, use it if you want to use left-right terminology, they're using the so-called conservative side of the church as their, as their racketeering front, as their, the matrix within they, which they are running their racket. Why? Because there's a hell of a lot of private money on the right of the church. Um, People who are wealthy tend to be more conservative, are going to tend to gravitate over using the left-right imagery towards the political right. There's a hell of a lot of money flowing through that, and that's what these people are about. That's what the Legion of Christ was about, and Weigel is up to his eyeballs with the Legion of Christ. Um, That's what these people are about. They're about tapping into the money, this huge gravy train, using the institutional church as their matrix to run their rackets. And, and Weigel's racket is, J- is John Paul II. Weigel has made his living and made his money entirely off the cult of personality of John Paul II. And so you look, and everybody by now is, has seen and knows all about JP2 going to a CC and doing all that and kissing the Koran. Weigel, because the cult of personality of John Paul II is how he makes money and a hell of a lot of it. And that is the racket that he's running. John Paul II kisses the Koran. Okay, Weigel has has to integrate this in somehow because jp2 can do no wrong and so you you get into this modernist hey come on islam we're all on the same team here you guys need to update like we updated he has to justify jp2's horrific actions with regards to islam which uh, again belie the the massive massive problems that jp2 had now he was the pope and he he Let's just say it. He was a heretic. And there's a lot of people who who realize that he was a heretic. I've talked about the fact that Ratzinger, now he is Pope Benedict XVI gloriously reigning, but he has heretical, heretical issues and problems. His metaphysics are completely warped, what Ratzinger's are. But these men were the pope. It's possible these men were popes. They were valid. They were JP2 was validly the pope. Ratzinger is validly the pope. They're wildly illicit. That's not to say just because something is valid doesn't mean that it's licit. This is this is the, the, the case with the Novus Ordo Mass. The Novus Ordo Mass is valid. Um, the The Eucharist is confected. The sacrifice is accomplished but it's wildly illicit because it was conceived in malice. Even the best Novus Ordo mass, because the Novus Ordo was conceived in malice, it is illicit in and of itself. Um, it's the same thing with these popes. These men are, were and are, in the case of Ratzinger, valid popes. They're wildly illicit, though. And so, but, but if you're a person like Weigel and you can't you can't look back and say okay every, everything i've done here my entire life's work and most importantly the source of all of my income this is all based on a lie. You know, I'm, I'm pushing this cult of personality of JP too. And so no matter what this guy says or does, I have to be just defending, defending, defending it. I have to defend the Koran kissing. I have to defend um, theology of the body and, and the heresy that's, that's intrinsic to theology of the body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that that's the corner that they have themselves painted into, but in a certain sense, I don't think they mind. I think as long as people like Weigel get to um, rub shoulders with people that they consider to be elites, um, as long as they get invited to the right dinner parties, you know, as long as they have people gushing gushing all over them and telling them how wonderful they are and and generating narcissistic supply for them, I don't think they care. I really don't think they care and the proof set of that is if we if we drill down into Weigel's position on on Islam and his his clear contentment to leave people who are inside the Islamic political system right now not not only is he content to leave them there he's trying to to give coaching and recommendations to other people within the Islamic political system in order to keep people like the couple that we were talking about earlier who went on twitter and publicly apostatized he's trying to coach them in ways to keep them in and how to make um how to make the islamic political system more broadly attractive even see so now it becomes a question of human souls does weigel care about the fate of these human beings whether they end up in heaven for all, all eternity whether they end up in hell for all eternity that's the first question do you even care then you get into into other questions like do you believe in the great commission do you believe that there that there is salvation outside of the Catholic Church yes or no I mean talk about submitting dubia to somebody somebody should draft a set of dubia to be presented to George Weigel do you or do you not believe in 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 extra ecclesiam nulla salus. Do you or do you not believe this? Do you or do you not believe in the great commission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to go out and baptize all nations? Do you or do you not believe this? Uh, I I suspect that um, publicly he'd say, well, of course, of course I do. But his words right here, his own words say something completely, totally different. Do you believe in the creed, sir? Do you believe in baptism? Um,
0: it sounds like you, the *Dubia* is just a, a the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, well, actually, yeah. there is a book called that by that title. But I was thinking more like the Baltimore Catechism, something that's even a little more straightforward and easily worded. You know, do you actually right. believe this, sir?
1: And then, and then it leads to questions like: Do you believe in the divinity of Christ? Um, do you believe in the resurrection? Uh, do you believe that that the Mass is the? Um, representation through uh, in space and time of the the holy sacrifice of Calvary do you believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the eucharist if you actually believe any of these things and this was the light bulb that went on my head went on above my head with regards to Chapu in denver if you actually believe in the mass in the eucharist in in the divinity of Christ if you believe in the divinity of Christ himself how could you possibly, how, how could you possibly even have the thought cross your mind to say that Muslims worship the same God that we do? How, how could that thought even possibly cross your mind? How could the thought cross your mind that, that there is any other truth? In the universe, and how could the thought even possibly cross your mind that it's totally cool to just leave other human beings in false religions and to not tell them about Christ? If you actually believe in in what the Mass is, what the Eucharist is, and who Christ is... If you actually believe that, how could how could you just how could you not want to tell everyone else about this? How could you be content to leave anyone anyone unevangelized how could you be content to leave anyone in any sort of false religion without at least trying to explain this to them not only do these people not want to explain anything explain any of these things to anybody they they think it's virtuous that they don't and this is confirmed by bergoglio bergoglio scolding people and condemning pros, uh, pros proselytizing as a sin Bergoglio has said this repeat, repeatedly that trying that trying to convert people to the one true faith to to Jesus Christ in this holy church is a sin. I mean at this point what what where else can we even go? You've just this is it this seems to me to be not not just a matter of heresy. This seems to me to betray an apostasy truly saying, I, I don't actually believe in any of this. Now, the precision is, is these people stay inside of, of the institutional church, because like we were talking about earlier, it's a money making racket and it is it is the false facade that they use to run their racketeering, their racketeering organizations. The mafia in in New York they use um, dry cleaning shops and and restaurants and so on and so forth. These characters, the reason why these these crimes are so severe of these these faux Catholics who are who are using the church as a racketeering front. You're using not a dry cleaning store or a restaurant. As your false front to run your shady business out of the back room. You're using the bride of Christ. You're using the bride of Christ as your false front facade, and you're making money off of this. The, the, the gravity of this is so intense. And again, people just shrug their shoulders and, oh, well, moderation, moderation, moderation. Yet, you know, that, that's the biggest sin today. The biggest sin today is being immoderate. Um, action which apparently means believing the truth of the catholic faith whole and entire and that's what weigel is and so i, I if i were face to face with him i would ask him let, let's take an example of um super nerd and i were talking about there there are still pockets of human beings left on this planet who have not been contacted by civilization. They're called uncontacted peoples. There are some in the Amazon. There are some um, on an island off the coast of Sri Lanka uh, called Sentinel Island. There are some in Papua New Guinea. So... I, I would like to ask someone like George Weigel or Weigel to his face if I ever had the opportunity, what what do you think we should do? Let's take the populace of people that's on that's on Sentinel Island and I'll I'll put a we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can read about these people. Um, what, what do you think should be done with them? The vast, vast majority of these people in their highly enlightened modernist state would say, oh, these people should be left untouched. This is pristine human civilization. These people should not be contacted. We should continue to do exactly what's being done with Sentinel Island, and that is there is a there is a perimeter of however many miles drawn around the island. Ships may not incur past Pass that limit. Um, we we must not contact these people because isn't it cool? Isn't it cool that we have these people who are who are left in their in their. Uh, Pristine, pre-pre civilized condition, and we are made richer. The human race is made richer by the diversity, and made richer by the fact that here are these people, and they exist untouched, untouched by modern civilization.
0: Oh, they're in and perfect I, balance with nature. That's we should learn from them.
1: Uh, Exactly, yes, they're 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 in perfect balance with nature. they're they're living in a sustainable way. Buzzwords like that will start will start coming out that they, they have a, a deep wisdom. They have a deep wisdom that we, if anything, we should attempt to tap into their deep wisdom, but at the same time, we we can't risk polluting them by contacting them. And, and I just look at this and it, it's such a tragedy. Sentinel Island should be should be should what should happen is exactly what the Spanish the portuguese what all these people did we should go we should land we should roll in we should you know claim claim the the land for for god and his holy church um offer the holy sacrifice of the mass right there on the beach and then start converting these people Do you actually believe? Do you actually believe in what the church teaches? Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? If so, why in the world wouldn't you tell those people about Christ? Why in the world wouldn't you want to to bring these people out of their savage, uncivilized condition? running around naked, God knows what else goes on in, in pagan cultures like this. It can't be good. Why wouldn't you want to tell people about Jesus Christ as only church, bring them into the church. And what that also means is bring them into civilization. If that were, if that were you, if you had been born on Sentinel Island, would you want to be left in that state? Would you want to be left running around naked, you know, living in in, in what is pro- probably just a terrible pagan culture? Would you want to be left in that? Now let's take it to the next step. What happens when people on Sentinel Island die? Well, they're dying unbaptized by definition, Okay. Where do they end up? Well, certainly, they're going to end up in hell. Which is to say, they're not going to have the beatific vision because they were not baptized. The odds of invincibly ignorant people um, making it, in the sense that for, for for the argument, and and this is a valid argument for an invincibly ignorant person to die and make it through their particular judgment, having not been baptized, you understand what that means that they would have had to have gone through their entire life and never had committed a mortal sin. They would have had to have gone through their entire life knowing in the way that Abraham knew that there, there is a God and that, there, there is going to be a savior or a messiah, and they, they would have had to have a, a conscious understanding of this, but died in invincible ignorance of Christ himself outside of. I mean, this, the odds of, of such a person making it through their, um, their particular judgment are just astronomical. It's technically possible. Um, because God, God would not create men damned. So God does not, you know, if there's a little baby who's just been conceived on Sentinel Island today amongst this population, that that child is not conceived damned. God God does not create any human being damned. Um, and God provides or God provides the grace sufficient for all men to be saved but that doesn't mean it's easy the reason why christ is saying to people go out and baptize people and get them into the church is because because of fallen human nature because of concupiscence it's just almost impossible for a human being to to traverse the course of their life and never commit a sin and to have and to have an abrahamic like understanding of the dynamics of there is one god and he he is going to save us that he is going to send a savior in some way super nerd if if you want to jump in on this at all this is a this is a really tricky subject but it's really important and the notion that what we're doing is we're just leaving these people to be damned, and and citing this self-righteously as proof of our of our own um, of our own modern superiority to just leave these people hanging. Um, do you have anything you want to add?
0: Well, I was just thinking that the the likelihood is very high that uh, in, in the absence of, of devotion to the true God or information mm-hmm. about the true God, Satan's going to step in, and through some something like uh, a witch doctor or some local equivalent thereof. He's going to introduce his own air quotes truth, and so right. whether whether it's the the fact that the witch doctor happens to know how to make medicines uh, that that work because obviously it's not beyond an, an angelic intellect even a fallen one to understand the physical world, um, the idea that we would leave these alone uh, these folks alone um, yeah we're we're saying we're going to let you go to hell. And for anyone who professes the Catholic faith, you're denying the scriptures. You're denying, <laughs> you're calling Jesus a liar. You're simply saying, no, yep. I, I won't serve. You told me to go, go uh, convert the world. No, I'm not going to do that. No,
1: I, I know better than you. In fact, I'm better and more merciful than you are. Um, because I, I, in my superior mercy to Christ, I deny the dogma of original sin. Uh, That's what you're basically doing. Um, And again, this is exactly, this is exactly what Bergoglio is doing. This is exactly what he's about. He is about casting himself as being even more merciful than Christ. He is more merciful than Christ. Therefore, you know, he, he is not about the law at all. Um, just disregard the law, my mercy, my Francis mercy trumps absolutely everything, do what you want, and who am I to judge? He's casting himself, he's literally casting himself as being over and above Christ, which is what makes uh, so many of us look at this situation and think, this guy is is giving every indication of being the false prophet forerunner of the antichrist and this in fact might be the run up not just to the days of Fatima but but to the big show to the, to the apocalypse where the the antichrist will emerge Bergoglio as the false prophet forerunner will have will have just plowed the field and set the stage and set up an apostate false one world church in which is Uh, which is superior to Christ and has, has greater mercy and greater enlightenment and so on and so forth. And then this political figure will rise up. And that that will, in fact, be the Antichrist and that th- this will be, this is the run up to the consummation of the world. It's it's kind of, it's inescapable. I mean, for the to go to think in a logical way and say, okay, this leads to this, this leads to this, this leads to this. It's really, really difficult to not end up coming to the conclusion that that, that is probably what we're seeing unfold right before us. And um, yeah, they're they're just completely willing to to leave people to eternal damnation um, and and give people up, as Supernerd just said, to to these satanic pagan cultural paradigms and, and thinking, oh, isn't that cool? Is it's diversity. calling satanic pagan paradigms diversity and uh, something that enhances the the tapestry of the human family or some bullshit like that um do, w- when when these people if if and, if and when, and it's, it's it's presumed that the unbaptized will almost certainly end up in hell, um, but as Super Nerd made the point several weeks ago, um, th- the deepest parts of hell will be reserved for the baptized, and the torments will be that much greater, because the baptized will know that at some point, they had it. They had the beatific vision, and they they were baptized, and they could have achieved the beatific vision, and they lost it. They turned their backs on it. And so their torments will be even worse. Um, but but the unbaptized will be in hell too. Now, here's an interesting question talking about the torments of hell and things that we've we've talked about in terms of the torments of hell. Um, will these unbaptized pagans be raging at the baptized? Catholic Christians who didn't come and didn't evangelize them and in fact explicitly argued against it and said, no, we, sh- we should leave these people. Will in hell, will these factions of these abandoned, unbaptized pagans rage at the Christians who who didn't do, who didn't fulfill the Great Commission and didn't come? and evangelize them. It's an interesting question about what, what will be going on in the torments of hell. I would have to assume that the unbaptized pagans will indeed um, rage at those who didn't come to help them.
0: In the sense that hell is an inversion of heaven, I mean, I'm not a hellologist, I'm just thinking out loud and, and what makes sense here, but uh, in the sense that in heaven there's perfect unity with God, I would imagine that in hell you're, there's perfect disunity and that everybody's going to be raging at each other like you were saying. Yes.
1: And yes. at the same there's, time— There's no fraternity. That's right. There's no fraternity.
0: Well, there's there's no charity, that's for sure, because mm-hmm. it's that would be the, the opposite of heaven at that point. But, yeah, it, it makes sense in, in the same sense that if, if somebody withheld from you information about, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with an idea right now, but just the, the very basic— uh, reaction to, to human nature is like, why didn't you tell me that I could have yeah. solved this problem? It would have been, especially when it would have been easy. It's like, hey, just do this, you know, a couple, a couple of things. Uh, why wouldn't you tell somebody like that unless you have absolutely no intention for their well-being whatsoever, which you pointed out before, that is the ab- the absolute opposite of love. It, hate isn't the opposite of love. It's indifference. It's and, indifference. and I don't see how yeah. this is any different in, in, in terms of of <laughs> the the absolute worst thing we could do to somebody. Just let them be.
1: Just let them be. That's right. Just let them be. Tolerate. Tolerate, include, diversity. These are all subcategories and species of indifference, which is the opposite of charity. Um, And I I just, yeah, I think that's a a perfect point and i think that is a perfect place to to conclude this i don't think we've gotten to the the very truly the crux of the matter now that is the crux of the matter is this indifference and indifference is one of the hallmarks one of the hallmarks of modernism of novus ordoism of the post-conciliar paradigm even amongst people like Weigel who are characterized as being on the right or even the far right of the of the spectrum. Um, and so I just want to make sure that people understand that. And I hope that maybe some people will start calling this guy out and people like him. Start calling these people out for their hypocrisy and for the, for exactly this, for their indifference. Do you actually believe this? Do you actually give a shit about anyone or anything except yourself and your own power and money and elite status? Do you care about anything, sir, except yourself?
0: We know the answer, unfortunately. No, because it'd be bad for business.
1: Indeed. Indeed. And it would be bad for the social calendar, too. And we just can't have that.
0: Right. And on that happy note... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you have feedback for the, for the podcast, uh, questions or feedbacks or suggestions for other topics, uh, the podcast email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Supernerdmedia.com is where you can find ordering information for the Diabolical Narcissism DVD, which was mentioned earlier in this podcast, as well as information for contacting Supernerd on Twitter, Facebook, email, and a few other ways of uh, electronic communication. Uh, as well as information for donating to me, for supporting the uh, technical end of the podcast. If you think you're receiving value from this project, uh, that's one way you can provide value back. Also, don't forget to make a spiritual communion early and often every day. Remember that somewhere in the world right now there's a Mass being offered. Go ahead and pause the podcast. Uh, join with the, the, that Mass happening right now. Make your spiritual communion. We'll wait for you. Speaking of Masses, somewhere in the world— uh, Masses for Anne's Benefactors are said on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Remember to join your intentions with that priest offering that Mass. Uh, Any other words of wisdom or uh, advice or uh, happy thoughts for this week?
1: How about gratitude? How about... Uh, reiterating my undying gratitude to one and all for it. It just is amazing to me. It's amazing to me that people are interested in reading what I write. And it is like 10 times more amazing to me that people are interested in sitting and listening to me talk. Um, (laughs) I, I still am kind of blown away by that, but, um, Again, I, I read the emails, I see the emails, and I just, I hope and pray. My prayer every day and every week, and now we're doing two a week before the podcast is, please, please let some good come out of this. Let me do some good, um, and don't let me say anything stupid or wrong. Um, obviously, it's in, in these dark days with all of this confusion and so forth, one of the things that that one worries about is is being incorrect obviously no sane pers- person ever wants to be incorrect nobody desires to be incorrect and that very much includes me um, taking strong stances the de- the debate about the bergolian anti-papacy is really starting to heat up um, and that's you know I please, God, don't let me be wrong. Um, And if I am wrong, let me be corrected. And if other people are wrong, let them be corrected. Lead all of us, you know, Holy Spirit, lead all of us into the truth, please. And hopefully, hopefully this doesn't last much longer. And um, hopefully, I think it's going to require supernatural intervention at this point. We've talked about this before. And truth be told, I hope it comes soon. I hope it comes soon because you, you, um, you're just seeing everything crumble and disintegrate so rapidly now. Um, I just don't know how much longer this can go on. And our Lord said, you know, if if it weren't for me shortening those days, then even the elect would be lost. And one is starting to get the sense now that, that that's kind of what's happening, that it's just disintegrating so fast. So come Holy Spirit and please lead all of us into the truth. That's the most important thing.
0: Amen. Until next week, I am Super Nerd.
1: And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless.